Minitanka, international burlesque star, rock and roller, Jewess, one woman riot, nutritional therapist, wellness coach, podcast host, Minitanka is doing a lot. Greg and I spent an evening with Minnie discussing her artistic career, what inspires her, expressions of her faith, her love of the band, the replacements, and more. She was such a fun person to spend time with, and I'm sure you'll agree once you listen. Minnie's theatrical, inventive, and flirtatious striptease has been dazzling audiences across the globe since 2004. Minnie is a multiple-time New York Burlesque Festival Golden Pasty Award winner and has been voted one of the top 40 international burlesque industry figures for years. Miss Tonka is a sought-after burlesque performer and instructor and has headlined multiple festivals, including the Montreal, Stockholm, Dallas, Florida, Iowa, Vienna, and Helsinki Burlesque Festivals, to name a few. Minnie tours the world and has shared her lusty hilarity with packed houses in Australia, Italy, Finland, England, Sweden, Germany, and across North America. Here she is. First things first, Mini, like Mini Tonka. I was like, wait, Mini Tonka, isn't that like a, <laughs> a, a moccasin or something like that? But, you know, I, I just wanted to ask you, what, wh- where does that name come from and why does it mean something to you? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, yes, moccasin. So I grew up in Minnetonka, Minnesota. And um, I mm. when yeah, so a lot of it's it's funny because I've I've as a burlesque performer, I've had the amazing opportunity to literally perform and travel around the world. And I remember I was it was like in 2009 and I was in Vancouver and like someone in the audience like came up to me after the show and they're like, Minnetonka, like, oh my god, Prince. And I was like, yeah. So if you're a prince exactly. fan and you know Purple Rain, then there's that famous exactly. line pur- that prince says that purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. So when I was first starting out performing burlesque in 2004, I performed solo and I also have a dance partner. I have a duet, the Schlepp Sisters. And my dance partner, her name is Darlinda Just Darlinda. And I remember we were trying to figure out my burlesque name and we were like sitting, sitting in her kitchen and brainstorming. And it just, I have such, I've been in New York. Well, at that point I'd been in New York for only four years right now. It's 2021. So I've been in New York 21 years, but <laughs> crazy. But, um, I really have a lot of Minneapolis, Minnesota pride. Like I'm a huge music fan and I love where I'm from. And so, and she just kept in, like asking great questions. And I said something about Minnetonka and she was like, oh my God, Minnetonka. So that became my stage name. So I feel excited about it because it's still, it's so meaningful to me. And also I could be in Europe and people could say like, oh, Minnetonka, is that like the truck? And I would say, yes, that's the moccasin, it's the truck, it's Prince, it's all of it for Minnetonka, right. Minnesota. <laughs> when I was watching your documentary, um, you know, you were introduced in the film and I saw Minnie Tonka. I was like, oh my gosh, she must. Be. I just intuitively knew she's obviously from Minnesota and it's all due to Purple Rain and Prince. I was like, oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I'm a huge Replacements fan. So oh my uh, God! Replacements are a huge <laughs> Minneapolis band for me. Um, okay. Well, I just want to say that anyone who's a Replacements fan, has a special place in my heart because I'm a huge replacements fan yes. too. So there you go. <laughs> awesome. Everything uh, from Hoot and Annie on and uh, Paul Westerberg. I mean, one of oh the uh, one of the country's best 
songwriters that just never gets the credit that I think he deserves. So great music. Yes. I, I actually, I'm going to listen to, I'll listen to Tim tonight, just in your honor. Uh, uh, that it's a great album. Oh my God. Totally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could literally just sit here and like talk Minneapolis music all night long. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a great friend from Minneapolis and she's a singer as well. And so we, we spent a lot of time talking about Prince and, and uh, the whole music scene there. She was right in that, in that era like us, or all of our same age. But, but I was introduced to you first. Uh, I mentioned it earlier um, in, the, in the Getting Naked, a burlesque story. It's a documentary on Netflix, and uh, I remember I, was, I just happened upon it. It was one of those impulse watches. I said, okay, burlesque. That sounds like an interesting topic. I can't say that I had any deep uh, and abiding interest in it, but it really, it really captivated me. Uh, each of you who was featured, um, I, I kind of, obviously, I did my research. I looked for you online, and, and then I became a fan. And so um, I think I'd, I'd like to start by asking, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit in the documentary, but for those who may have not seen it, uh, where did the interest in burlesque develop, and, and how did you kind of manifest that into, into happening? Yeah, so I, um, I, I attribute my burlesque uh, experience and career to my dance partner, Darlinda, just Darlinda. We met um, in 2003, and she, long story short, she really introduced, like I'd heard of burlesque before. We were at this party and she had recently moved to New York and um, she was really interested in doing burlesque. And I had a vague concept of what it was. And I grew up in Minneapolis, as I said, suburbs of Minneapolis. And I was um, like, I did ballet for many years. I was competitive, competitive figure skater. And I've always been really interested in like costumes and choreography. And at that time, in like the early 2000s in New York, I was just going to all these like art parties and um, just getting dressed up like all the time in just different crazy costumes and stuff. And so when she had that idea, I was like, okay, I am really interested in the costumes and the choreography, but I'm really intimidated by like stripping <laughs> on stage and what if we did it what if we did it together and so we're both jewish and then we came up with this like fabulous funny like quirky name the schlep sisters so we so i started out really um with her as a duet and then i also performed solo and then my solo career it took me a few years to you know like work my way down to feel comfortable being in a g-string <laughs> versus like big panties you know um, <laughs> covering my butt and um but yeah it's really it was it, for me it was kind of a slower process and i felt um i wanted to have that dance partner on stage to feel more comfortable with that striptease aspect and now you know i can you know <laughs> i mean after 17 years of doing burlesque i have no issues whatsoever of just you know, getting down to pasties or anything and any moment, someone's like, here's $500, do a burlesque act in the middle of the subway. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about your hesitation in the documentary, and I thought that the act that uh, you and your partner and the Schlepp sisters came up with was really brilliant, um, you know, for somebody who's kind of overcoming that uh, stage fright, for lack of a better term, and, and I'm, I'm speaking about the, the reverse striptease. You know, yeah. can you uh, tell us how that uh, that idea came to came oh, to be? Oh, that's so funny! Yeah, or the the hesitation. So <laughs> that is hilarious. Yes, 
So our first act was a reverse striptease, meaning we put clothes on because she, my dance partner, was being really accommodating to my fear of stripping. So, it, you know, we just like, it was like, and we were being really funny about it with these big suitcases. And we just, we came out with like, with pasties on and then like big, like, you know, granny panties with fringe and, um, and then we just like to this, you know, traditional like Jewish wedding song called Hava Nagila. Uh, if you're familiar, Hava Nagila, Hava Nagila. Absolutely. Okay. And so we just <laughs> like put clothes on and on and on. <laughs> and we have since evolved that number. Um, but it's still a reverse strip. But that was our first because I was like <laughs> just more comfortable putting clothes on. And but reverse strips in general are actually more um, technically. Uh, when you're not just throwing, you know, clothes on like we did in our first ever act, you know, reverse reverse strip is technically a little bit more challenging than um, a, a classic, you know, strip tease of taking off the clothes. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And it's more unexpected. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. It's more unexpected. I mean, people, you know, are expecting that, you know, reveal and whatever that is. But then if you come out and then you put clothes on, it's kind of like this you know switch of your brain like oh interesting that's a different story being told you know yeah it still seems titillating but at the same time you know uh you know the schlep sisters the name there's there's the comic element to it too totally you know so yeah. you're 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 still seeing a, a strip tease but you know it's in reverse so it's it, it captured a lot of elements and i when i saw it the first time i was like wow that is that is interesting and then over the weekend i rewatched the documentary with my wife and she was like Oh, that is so brilliant. And I was like, yeah, it, it, I, I, I was struck by it the first time, too. <laughs> it was like uh, when I saw Penn and Teller for the first time, and they, they showed the magic trick, right? They, they actually deconstructed the magic trick. And I, I actually thought that what you were doing with the Slip Sisters was just that, like you were deconstructing the strip in oh. reverse as we were watching. And um, I didn't know it was simply cool. you saying, hey... I don't want to get naked in front of people, so let's uh, let me get clothed in front of people. So that I think it's you know it's great, and I think that's a you know obviously great work of art, right? When you can have all these different interpretations, I think it's fantastic. We, uh, that's our little secret. The Schlepp sisters started because I was too scared, so that's why we did a reverse strip. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I mean, what is I've never at least that I can ever remember have stripped in front of. A group of people that you can never remember, Tim. I, I like how you qualified that. that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I could, I just, I have to say that I don't remember ever doing that, nor was I ever told I did it. There were a few parties in the 80s that uh, Tim only barely recollects. Uh, very, yeah, and 90s. It, it has got to be, well, I would imagine it would be, and maybe you could tell us, a very intimate act because you are looking in the eyes of somebody sitting watching you just drop your clothing. What is it like? I, you know, it's so. It's so interesting because I it's obviously very different for every performer. And what's interesting, and I've had this conversation over the years with so many people, for me, burlesque is about connecting with the audience and it's about entertainment and um and 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 offering like my energy and my intention. I don't think of it for me is like this like sexy sensual thing. I most of the stuff that I do has a comedic element which I think is very sexy, but for me 
it's i'm 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 coming on like my connection i feel like i'm more like energy soul connection on stage and yeah they get to see movement and different like concepts through the different acts that i have but it's for me it's not about um like oh i'm just gonna take my you know top off and show my tits like that is not at all my attitude or vision or experience of it it's so much about human connection and entertainment that really came through in the documentary with all of the you know the primary topics or the primary subjects of the documentary um but i i think i i was most drawn to you and your story because you know as you mentioned you came to new york 20 years ago and got into burlesque afterwards and i know from the documentary that you um you're a very academically minded person you're very uh, uh religiously minded and so it was that dichotomy that that I found so interesting. Yeah, totally. The so I went to um I grew up Jewish but with like a very minimal Jewish background. So I spent like I never actually had a bat mitzvah. But so I kind of spent like my my like late teens and 20s really like spending time in Israel and and learning about Judaism and really seeking that out for myself because I always had a very strong Jewish identity but I didn't um i just didn't have the education and so i moved to new york actually for graduate school i got my masters in jewish studies and education and i did that because i wanted to have this like i'd never in in undergrad i'd never taken like a religion course so i really wanted that academic background whereas when i was like in israel it was more um, it wasn't academic. It was learning Jewish texts from a very, you know, more spiritual place. And so for me, I always knew, well, in my 20s, I guess, when I was in, moving, moved to New York, I'm 48 right now, but um, I, I knew that I wanted that degree and I knew I wanted to work in the Jewish community in, um, in arts and culture. And that's what I did, actually, my first job out of graduate school was I was a director of arts and Jewish culture at a Jewish community center in Manhattan. And I also started doing burlesque during that time in some of the programs that I was producing, like the events that I was producing. For example, Kosher Chicks, Triple X, like <laughs> that is, um, yeah, Kosher, I know we did that. I produced that show, co-produced that show for like the first few years. Yeah, we had Kosher Chicks, XXX, um, and that was super fun, you know, so that was me really, and also with the Schlepsters, like, at that time, I was really, like, have, I wasn't necessarily religious, but I just had a very strong Jewish identity and really wanted to tap into my culture and tradition and history and express that in a different way, and that's what's what's so cool about burlesque and, and traveling around with, um, especially the Schlepsisters, because not all, not all my solo acts are Jewish themed, but the Schlepp sisters are very Jewish and very playful in our acts. And a lot of people in the audience connect with that because we are so celebratory about our Jewish heritage and our we're not we're not poking fun at all. We're literally celebrating and it comes off that way, like our energy is so loving and positive around being Jewish. And so it really creates like this healthy dialogue 
with other performers about their traditions or you know people in the audience have said oh my god like i never knew you could like express judaism like through you know burlesque you know so that's also um something that i've experienced over the years so that's been really uh really unique and uh really meaningful part of my path of infusing burlesque and judaism which isn't and so you know, it it's is not, an expression yeah. of faith that you use that term i mean i don't know if it's a spark the expression of faith i think it's more just celebration of of our jewish heritage and and again it's not that all the burlesque acts are jewish themed at all like you know 95 percent of my solo stuff isn't the schlep sisters always have some sort of an element to it um but but yeah, I think that that's just that's been a it's been a a fun, meaningful way to create art through that lens of um like cultural identity. When you began uh, entering into the burlesque world, which you know I, I love it. I, I think it's absolutely artful and, and tasteful and fun. But there's narrow-minded people in the world, and, and you were also living in an you know an academic uh, Jewish world where you know you're uh, in part of that community. Did you feel the need, or were you compelled to kind of keep a separate identity for any length of time? No. And you know what's so interesting? I love this. I love that question because I okay. I think that this. From 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 me and my life experience, I'm I have been um, very out about doing burlesque. So every job that I had in the Jewish world, I've had like my bosses go. Like I used to work for like a synagogue, like the rabbi, the cantor came to my shows. I mean, I'm working for progressive Jewish organizations, but I've always been very out about it. And I think when you approach it from with that like confident energy then people receive that and they're like oh that's cool now and i understand that a lot of burlesque you know colleagues hide it from their family or their or their you know co-workers um and i'm not at all saying pushing them to not do that that's their comfort level but for me in my experience i've always been very out about it and i think because i have that just like confident like like um excited ener- and energy and about what i do that people feel that and then they think oh cool and if they're not into it that's fine but i'm not i haven't like been like hit with any like major issues that's great i mean that speaks to you and your community too that they're open-minded you know totally i, I and i i um so one of the things that i think struck me when greg started talking to me about Hey, you know, we, we, I'd really like to interview Minnie Tonka, a burlesque performer. The image that came to mind for me in burlesque was, um, you know, women were really just presented as floozies. Um, and it was, I, you know, and then so I started to get into it and started to see the neo burlesque movement and realizing that I looked at it as that you were kind of taking that back and it was more empowering and became an art form that went beyond just these tropes that, you know, that I recall from younger days. Now, I may be selling the early burlesque short, so maybe it, it might be good for 
me to just get a little history from you about just burlesque and the art form itself. And I've done some academic research, but really from inside out, from your perspective as a performer, what is burlesque now? What has it been? And is this an empowering movement for more than just you and as you described it to us? Yeah. So burlesque has a very long history and I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm more, I haven't, I'm not as well versed as others in the history of burlesque, which started really in the 1800s. Do you know what I mean? And there's been different incarnations depending on the decade. I mean, you know, from like the forties and fifties. And then when you move into like the seventies and eighties and it kind of that, you know, the golden age of burlesque when it's more like jazz bands and, you know, that kind of thing. Then moving into the 780s, where it kind of goes into more strippery kind of vibe. And then, you know, there's always been different kinds of that type of, quote, lowbrow entertainment that we call burlesque in varying degrees. And then that neo-burlesque movement, really in the, in the 90s and then the early 2000s. Um, and I'm, I mean, I've been doing it for a while, but, you know, I have so many friends and colleagues who, who are really the pioneers of that neo-burlesque movement who started in the 90s or, the, you know, earlier than, than I did. But, um, so, you know, for me, it's so interesting because, and of course, my mind is clouded because of COVID. So I haven't, you know, I actually just did one show for the first time, um, live like a couple weeks ago but everything is so clouded and changed you know shifted because you know we haven't had live entertainment for over a year but um and, and also for me it's not my top priority anymore whereas years ago it used to be so now i think compared to when i first started compared to now ish it's it's become more mainstream i mean it's still sort of I wouldn't even use the word underground, but it's become more mainstream and there are so many burlesque performers and people have, um, are really free to interpret it however they please. The interesting thing is, is when I was starting to do burlesque full time and touring the country in 2010, 11, 12, what was really so interesting at that time is you know we i was touring it like in a van with like four other women and i mean we went to little rock arkansas we went to you know cottage grove oregon we went to i mean we were like all over and and there were themes there were like you could tell like depending where you were in the country there were like themes like the west like 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 the pacific northwest um had a lot of like more political burlesque do you know what i mean like people making statements about politics. And then I remember kind of more, I guess, South middle, like a lot of Tennessee, for example, what I saw is there were just a lot of kind of stereotypical um, people wearing corsets and in beautiful gowns. And, and, and what I thought was like doing burlesque, doing what they thought they quote should be doing in terms of burlesque. Do you know what I mean? Um, and New York was just kind of uh, yeah, like, absolutely. yeah, New York has always just been like wild and crazy, you know, because there's a, it's very performance art based <laughs> right. and it's kind of, you know, kind of like in the nineties, mm. like a lot of like crossover with just nightlife and drag. But, um, 
So I'm forgetting your questions, but I guess, <laughs> but I guess, you know, I think that what You're I- You're doing great. Like, this is great. But what I, what I really want and hope for everyone in burlesque who's doing it, you know, and to continue to revisit like why they're doing it or if someone's interested is please be you. Um, I, it's, it's like, you can, you can tell when someone's not being authentically themselves and doing like what they think their boyfriend might want to see on stage or, you know what I mean? Versus if they want to do a fucking song to, you know, I don't even know, you know, like, uh, I don't even know what, I mean, let's, what could, what could, I don't know, whatever, then do it, you know, and <laughs> let's, let's do, um, crisscross will make you jump, jump, you know, like if you want to do like a jump rope oh, yeah. act to that, why not? You know, how fun is that? Versus <laughs> like thinking that you need to do right. some, vin some vintage, you know, Marilyn Monroe type thing which is fine but i find i would find the crisscross jump rope way more interesting <laughs> that's that's me but i really hope that that people can use this platform because burlesque is so diy i hope that people use this platform to experiment and express and explore their their ideas and creativity versus just like trying to get booked um and unfortunately that's kind of what happened a lot you know around the world is like when it became more a little bit more mainstream then you know, French restaurants started having burlesque. So then you needed to have really gorgeous gowns. And then people were kind of, you know, I think curbing their curbing their creative juices to get a gig and just, you know, like bedazzling their old prom dress and finding some like French song that maybe was fun, but it wasn't like fully being authentically them. So that I'm all about that about being authentically you. It was kind of like a derivation of the art form for mass consumption. That's what I'm hearing you describe. Totally, like yeah. For, for yeah. more mass consumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? We do, Darlinda and I do talk a lot, little bit about that in, in Getting Naked, in the burlesque documentary, um, about uh, it becoming a little bit more mainstream and, um, and, 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 it, and kind of... Um, just a shift in body type also that, you know, I think we're kind of coming back around to a lot of body acceptance of, um, but there was a point, you know, a handful of years ago where it was like a lot of really young, like kind of like fabulous, I mean, yay, fabulous bodies, but, you know, like stereotypical, you know, what you, someone would think would be in a magazine and so that was kind of disheartening for a lot of people who found that they were like the ballet rejects came to burlesque you know what i mean and then the so it was like the that it, it was kind of those yeah ballet misfit you know were were accepted into burlesque and that and anyone could you know be like loved and and revered on stage and supported um Anyway, but that's really what I think that what's great about burlesque is is that opportunity to be authentically you and and show off and and be confident in who you are and in your body, no matter what your body is. Yeah, I mean, it, the the documentary definitely had a very body positive message that I that as the father of two daughters, um, you know, uh, that I think is very powerful and very positive for for people to see and. To your point about the the ballet rejects, 
it seems to me that it, that would be less about the performance then and then just about admiring the maybe legitimate beauty of somebody's form, but you know, not about the the dance. You know, I, I always liken it to like uh, failed pop singers who become Christian singers. You know, it's like uh, they're they're. They're, they're, they just want to perform, and so they're going right. to say that they're passionate about something that they're maybe not really passionate about, and that's a, that's a, that's a disservice to, to Christian singers, I guess, you know, who are passionate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Minnie, you, you said you went on tour, and you've been all over the world, um, but this is a very physical art form. I mean, you, you have to get out there, you have to dance, you, you, are, this is, you have to engage. How do you do it when you're not feeling... A hundred percent, but yet you still want to you want to give the audience you know what you want to give them. Um, I again, I think it's different for everyone. For me, um, I no longer do it like I did it because my body said don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, because I what there 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 is so much wear and tear, and yes, that does have to that that absolutely comes with you know age for sure. But I think that, you know, when I was on tour and we would literally have like, you know, be driving from city to city and have like 30 shows in different states, you know, um, it's just you're when you're in. The, and I think, you know, I don't know why this just popped into my brain. Like, think about like a, you know, a doctor in residence. It's just like you just do it. You know, they're on call for 48 hours and it's like they're there. It's their passion. It's what they're doing. So there there is that element of being absolutely inspired and surrounded by excitement of like a new city a new venue connecting with the audience like creating you know sharing your your art and your creativity and your energy with new people every night but when we would come back i mean i would literally lay on my couch for like 2 weeks you know what i mean <laughs> like that was um and decompress so I think that, um, I think it depends. I mean, even, you know, even if I'm not on tour, like sometimes you just, I mean, if it's your job, I mean, you know, if it's your job, you just got, you just got to go to work, you know, and hopefully there can be, you know, you can tap into that reason why you want to do it before you get on stage. And, you know, usually, and I'm just speaking for me, you know, what if if there is that, <clears throat> like, once you're on stage, it's like, oh, okay. But there have been times, <clears throat> excuse me, where I have been on stage, I have an autoimmune disease, I have rheumatoid arthritis, where, like, I have been in pain. So that is, you know, limits some sort of movements. But, um, but you know, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of the time, adrenaline would kick in and help me kind of push through during the act. And then afterwards it, I wouldn't feel great, but at least I performed. So that's the if fascinating thing about um, the bot, the body and, and it's, you know, it's, it's capabilities, but also, you know, if one is, I mean, I think this can apply to anything, you know, it could be, you could be a, a lawyer or workaholic, or you could, you know, work at Walmart 40 hours, you know, for whatever, 14 hours a day. You know, it's like if you're pushing yourself, it's kind of like some people, 
ignore their body's messages. And then some people learn to listen to their body's messages. And I ignored for many years. And now I've learned to listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been very open uh, about your autoimmune issue. And, and, um, and as you were describing the rigors of touring, I thought, you know, um, how difficult that must be. But then you, you also mentioned the, the energy that you drew from the crowds and, 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 and that you think that um, that was a positive um, as it related to your, to your medical condition as much as the wear and tear of performing was a challenge? Mm, wow. You know, I think so. I think so many things are popping into my brain as you ask that question. One, I want to share a story of when I was performing in Key West in 2013. And then two, I just want to mention again COVID and how how I think so many of us felt um, that lack of human connection so deeply and how painful that was. I mean, that was like the number one thing. And I... I'm very social, but I also really feel very comfortable and I love being alone and I live with myself. But last year living in my little apartment in Brooklyn, like not seeing, you know, or hugging friends for like months was very painful. And so, so there's that. So then it's interesting when you say, you know, connecting with the audience and how does that, I, I don't know, it just kind of made me think about that. And I think, I think you're, I think, yes, I think that we feed off of each other's energy and as a performer i really am mindful of of what energy i'm sharing i'm and i want to be very clear on that and be connected with myself and my body and then be open to receiving and that you know back and forth but i just want to jump to the key west thing which just super interesting so i was um doing this four night run in this key west um like theater production and i was really kind of at i i performed twice in europe in 2013 i was really at the height of my burlesque career i mean there was amazing things going on but at the same time, the autoimmune disease, the rheumatoid arthritis, it was so my body was screaming at me. It was really, really bad. And I just kept on pushing through. And my dad had actually died that August. And I remember I went to Europe a second time, like a, <clears throat> in October, a few months after my dad died. And I just it was I, I can't even believe how much I was pushing. It was crazy. And then right from Europe, I went straight to like new york for like 10 hours then hopped on a flight to key west for like a week to do this show and i was in i had solo acts and i was also in group acts and i remember with with the um the woman who's choreographing the group act I, i remember being in the dance studio and i i was in so much pain like i literally could not i mean i had to like i don't pick up choreography fast So I had to work my brain so hard to remember those moves because during the rehearsal, I could not move. But then come showtime, like I would somehow I I, it's that adrenaline. I guess like what you said, that the audience energy was so 
I think positive and they're excited and they're they're wanting they're wanting to see a show and they're wanting to engage and they're wanting that. So I think all of that energy just infused me with this like I could go out and rock that stage and do that choreography and then get off at night and like literally crawl home. You know what I mean? Like so um it's interesting. I I feel like that that human connection is is so powerful on so many levels and um we really i think need to stay connected <laughs> performer performer or not yeah <laughs> right I, i'm a former runner you know my knees have given out uh, multiple surgeries but when i was younger and i was running uh, increasingly long distance races um i I, w- I had that fear of you know a marathon length race and you know, and, and more experienced runners would tell me that, you know what, there's so many people along the course. If you can get to the 18th mile, you'll absolutely finish because you'll, you'll experience that runner's high. You'll, the energy of the crowd and how badly they want you to continue and to do well uh, will absolutely, you know, uh, carry you through. And it, it's true. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Yes. That's like. This is this is like that's pretty profound. I mean, yeah, I think I think we've all experienced that, you know. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Um, so you mentioned we we can't fail to mention COVID. You know, there's I yeah, I told my daughter this is really like the first historical event that I think we've lived through in our lifetime, and we will will forevermore think about things before COVID and after COVID. And, and uh, as you were talking about it, I, I thought back to the documentary again, and I think it was the uh, the performer Gal Friday who mentioned that you know as busy as she was and as, and as in demand as she was, um, it was a very it was a labor of love. You, she wasn't getting rich from performing in burlesque, and so um, as, as I was thinking about that, and you talking about COVID, and just now getting back to doing live performances, how how has COVID impacted? the the industry and is it uh has it done irreparable damage i don't know i don't know um certainly venues have closed all around the world you know and that's sad but um people are slowly coming back and performing and i think you know everyone has their different that last year was very traumatic for so many people, myself included, and I think that we all have our our different um, comfort levels, um, and 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 what's what you know a lot of priority shifts have happened. For me, I I went back to school um, to become a nutritional therapist in 2017, and. When I did that, so that's been, you know, a handful of years, and I started working with clients in 2018, so that's about three years ago. So that, you know, that that came out of me leaving burlesque full-time, still performing, but shifting my priorities to healing and then helping other people heal. So... What's interesting is I was just talking to my to Darlin and my dance partner last night um about this and how okay there's a couple things going on. I just want to share this because I have severely gone through an identity crisis with being Minnie Tonka for so many years 
and and then shifting into and 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 then shifting into this nutritional therapy and holistic wellness coaching and what does that mean for my burlesque career and identity which is no longer my top priority but is such a huge part of my life and has been like such a huge part of my life and i've so many like i've been so blessed with just so many connections and friends and experiences for years and years and years so i was talking to my dance partner last night about it and i you know said for me it's it's having that like forced break even though i have been pulling back from burlesque and focusing on my wellness practice and helping people heal with you know chronic pain or inflammation or autoimmunity or chronic disease like i still love performing and i'm a great performer great performer and i want to perform but i don't like i let go of that hustle in 2013 when i told you about after key west that's when i was like oh hells no i can't do this like i can't my body like i have to listen so it's been years of no more that must have been so hard that it was intense it was super intense like how did you deal with that that's like a pro athlete saying i've got to hang the cleats up or whatever it was i gotta tell you and burlesque is so social you know and so it's like i in 2014 for me to like be like not performing as much and literally stay on my couch and deal like fully deal with my autoimmune disease and like learn to set boundaries for myself it was a huge 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 lesson i talk about this a lot on my podcast i have a podcast called positively anti-inflammatory yeah Yeah. so but but Mm -hmm. it's but it's like people i mean i i mean i sort of still have i hate the phrase but everyone knows it fomo fear of missing out but now yeah with (laughs) you know know like i've had year i've had years of 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 prioritizing myself and my health so i've I've shifted that energy, but now after a forced year of ever of, of there is no FOMO really because no one's doing jack shit. Right, but right. now it's even more like I don't even like before I was like, okay, maybe that gig can, you know, pay my utility bill or maybe that, you know, can buy groceries or you know what I mean? I that's gone now. Like officially gone. And so I'm just evolved after 17 years like into a different you know i think it will continue to evolve but now yeah it's just like oh like i i'm not seeking gigs whereas in 2000 you know up till you know you know my last live gig before covid was march 9th 2020 you know, I was seeking gigs, like not, not hustling, not active, but now I'm just like, okay, if someone wants me to perform, I mean, that's what's going on right now in my life. We'll see, but I don't, it's, you know what I mean? So yeah, that's what's going on. Uh, yeah. It, it's so interesting. Uh, Tim and I had the pleasure of speaking to a, a musician who's also a visual artist and we talked about COVID and she said the same thing that, you know, she had this fear of missing out this fear of not saying yes to things like if i don't say yes to opportunities to perform then you know i may regret it but that you know no one's going to call covid a blessing but you know if there was lemonade to be made out of it it was that she had no choice but to kind of take the break 
and reassess and re-energize that she wanted to do, uh, but she was af- in some ways afraid to do. And that's what I hear you describing mm, too. It's very interesting. Totally. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, for me, I was already pulling back. Um, but there was still, uh, still, uh, there still is an identity crisis. I'm still like, oh, you know, conflicted, but I, but it's, it's, it's allowing myself to unfold and trusting my instincts and, and what I know is right for my health, my body, my soul right now. And that is performing every once in a while. I have like been around the burlesque block, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I love it. Mm. And, um, <laughs> so grateful but yeah like i said right now i'm really focused on 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 helping people heal their their pain and inflammation and and mindset and all of that so yeah it's but i think both of your endeavors are doing that too you know i uh Mm -hmm. now that the the lockdown yeah. is lifted. I don't miss going to the grocery store a lot. I, I love Instacart. I'm all in. If they want to be a sponsor <laughs> of the show, they couldn't find a better better customer. I don't miss things like that. I, I like yeah. shopping online. But I, I desperately miss live music. I, I really miss theatrical <sighs> yes. performances, yeah. live comedy, those things. And so it's heartening to hear that shows are beginning to take place again because you know, uh, you know, people need that. I mean, people need right. art and they need performance. You're so. right. You're right. And thank you for no, saying that. No, that's not me because... saying, get back out there. No, you have to no, go. no, but you're so right because I am so focused on just that, you know, working with clients thing, but you are so right. We, that going back to the, that original, what I was saying, like where I come from with burlesque is sharing my energy is entertainment. And that is so healing. You know, we need to laugh. We need to connect. We need to have fun. We need to, you know, like get out of our fucking house and on, in our heads and just like literally just be like be in the world in a way that brings us joy. So that certainly is 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 live entertainment. Is music. Is you know whatever you know going for a picnic in the park whatever that is but yeah it, 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 we're, I'm, I'm seeing it again I'm, I'm feeling it a little bit more but it's not quite there yet you know my wife bought us uh, concert tickets for a concert in september and she showed me the the reservation i was like you realize that this is september of 2022 that you bought the concert tickets for they're still not ready to perform it's still another <laughs> year and a half away oh god oh my god i just got like, oh my I, god oh my god i just got i'm so excited i got tickets for um for a show in in california for may 2022 (laughs) yeah um so yeah i'm i'm (laughs) i've never gotten tickets that far in advance i'm like sure 11 months away i'm doing it um yeah let's do it i'm in florida there's there's live music all over the place i just went and saw a great band on friday night so um, I don't know if people know that the you know COVID didn't hit Florida. It just yeah. uh, you know it's, 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 it, doesn't, it doesn't exist down here. Yeah. So I, I do want to know. I want to ask you some questions about uh, positively anti-inflammatory and 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 where you're going in the future. But there's one thing yeah. that I really would like to ask um, about your artwork and uh, your your um, your your mini Tonka, right? And for me, it's do you when you 
you get an idea for a new act, or excuse me, a new, was it called a, how do I properly yeah, say that? Is it a yeah, dance? Is it an act? Is it a, uh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, an act, so yeah, an act. Is, yeah. Does is it like an is it like a a moment like a moment of inspiration is it something that you piece together is do you sit down and really think through it or is it fully inspirational can you just bring us inside a little bit of you know coming up with a new act what that's like for you um and and maybe how it shows itself in full expression with Minitanka Yes for me it's the majority of the time is is just music based for a lot of for a lot of other people, it could be something oh, really? else. It could be a. It could be like, oh, I saw this like costume or some. Or I love the, these colors, or I have a concept of this. For me, it's generally m- music, and that just is very um, motivating and inspiring to me. So, hence, I do a lot of like mm-hmm. '80s rock and roll <laughs> acts. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and cause I just, you know, it's like, I just don't get sick of these songs. I just like want to crank in, you know, it's so funny. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have to share. Neither do we. Yeah. So, so um, when I did it, my, my first live show back a few weeks ago, I was doing two numbers and yeah, an actor, a number routine, whatever. But anyway, <clears throat> one was that I love that I haven't, it's a, it's like, that i've done for many many years and another i was like i just really want to do improv and at this point i just love doing improv i'm like oh what i have my closet what do i feel like doing let's just do that and it's super fun for me and a a few months ago i was i had been listening to um (laughs) eddie murphy party all the time my girl wants to party all the time yeah (laughs) rick james so 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 i was like i was like fuck it i'm doing an act to party all the time by eddie murphy and what I did was I went to the dollar store and I got like little kids, like happy birthday hats and those like little like um, birthday, you know, blow, blow things. Yep. And I brought a bunch of them and it just was like super fun and cheesy because I'm like, it's still so new. Everyone's like, oh, my God, we're out in the world. And I went around and gave people party favors <laughs> to like blow, you know, blow the things during my act, yes. and put a hat, you know, so that was just like super fun. But um. I I actually probably will do that act again because it was just like I this is super fun. But for me it's generally music. Um mm-hmm. yeah, like you know, I have an act um Okay, so I have an an act where I have a telephone you can actually watch this online. It's it's a really good video of it. Um I have an act to it starts out with Hello by Lionel Richie, and then it goes into Hello Again by The Cars, if you're familiar, who are the listeners out oh, there. Wow. Um, yeah, but, of course. But, but it started yeah. with The Cars, so I love The Cars, and the sister, the sister, the, the, that song totally reminds me of my older sister, and I just I remember years ago, I just, I was like, oh, I fucking love this song, I want to do something. And I just thought, okay, there should be some like telephone involved. And then all of a sudden I was thinking, oh my gosh, Lionel Richie, you know? And so it's edited in. And then I have this long chord with this telephone that I dance with the chord. So it really kind of, it really started out with just loving that song and then just taking it, like thinking Mm -hmm. of a concept that was, is, is expected, but a little bit unexpected. Well, we, we are all, we're children of the same generation. So those, (laughs) those, uh, those songs still resonate. I, I have yeah. to say, though, for the record, that that Lionel Richie video for Hello, as much as I love Lionel and, and the Commodores, 
that was one of the creepiest music videos of, of my childhood, you know? Oh my God. Basically yeah. stalking his student. Uh, yeah, it was, it was yeah. great. Oh my God, Lionel. I know what, what happened, who knows, but. <laughs> Minnie, what, where, where do we search that online? So I can put that in the notes. The, the, is it on YouTube? Um, yeah. I mean, I can send you the link, but if you just do, it's, yeah, it's Minnie Tonka. Um, I wonder, it's at the Burlesque Hall of Fame in 2013. Yeah, just send me the link and I'll make sure we get that in there because I think if someone's listening to this, they're going to want to see. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, yeah, I, I'm going to, right fun. after we get out, I'm going to watch this. This is, uh, it's a really, yeah, it's a high quality video. It's good. And if they're enjoying this interview, and I know they will, they should absolutely watch Getting Naked as well. You know, uh, yeah. it's a great documentary. It's really, it was, I, I got to be honest, it was, it was at times really um, tough and uncomfortable being followed around and taped. Um, but the but ultimately, I really I love and I you know trusted Jimmy Lester, who's the producer and director, and um, and it was such a interesting experience to have. And I'm really grateful. My mom is in the documentary and um, Darlinda's mom is in the documentary. So that is so meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I think that it really, it's a beautiful film. um, And it shows just a little glimpse into, you know, into burlesque, but in a, in a, I think in a very meaningful way. And, and the different, these, the four featured performers, me being one of them, like people can, I think resonate with different ones, you know, like people like, well, like, Oh, I really love Hazel Honeysuckle or like, Oh, I really love Gal Friday, you know, or I really love the Schlepp sisters, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's, it's, you don't even have to know or care about burlesque to, um, I think find, find the documentary really interesting and meaningful. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, like I said, I, I, I had very little knowledge of burlesque, but watching it, I, I, what I appreciated in addition to the art was just kind of the community of, of acceptance and mutual support that, it, that seemed to exist there. And yeah. that, um, you know, it was people creating art for the sake of creating art, not to enrich themselves, not to become famous necessarily, but because it was fun. It seemed fun, and it, it seemed uh, meaningful to them, you know, and yeah. and the people who tr- appreciate that art form. Yeah, the Burlesque Hall of Fame. I didn't even know there it, it existed, and and doing my research for this, realizing it's a big fucking deal. And you said you did this at the at the Burlesque Hall of Fame at what an award ceremony. Yeah, I've been really fortunate to... The Burlesque Hall of Fame is kind of like the Oscars of Burlesque, if you will. Um, so I've been yeah. fortunate enough to perform. They have different nights. There's, um, like, the Thursday night is called the Movers and Shakers, and it's just, it's it's a non-competitive night. And then Friday night is for the Legends of Burlesque. So you've got the the literally the women in their 80s, you know, who've been doing it for 60 years, hmm. you know, get up on stage. It's really... Wow. Like, it's... Like it's amazing and um amazing. And then Saturday night is that competition. And so it's lit it's this international. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, you know, performers from Japan, you know what I mean? Like all over the, you know, all over the place. And 
or all over the world. And yeah, I've so I've had the fortunate opportunity to uh, compete with Derlinda, the Schlepp sisters. We've competed um, several times. Mm-hmm. And then I performed, um, uh, competed solo a few times and also performed once in that Thursday night non-competitive night. So that's been uh, like a huge honor. And it's such a, I mean, it's been, I haven't been since 2016, but it's, I went for many years starting in 2009 and it's, um, it's this, it's this annual pilgrimage to, um, just share and celebrate the love of the history of burlesque and the neo burlesque and you form friendships and just celebrate. It's so much fun and just be inspired by all the creativity that, you know, people are bringing to the stage. And it's such a, super fun supportive environment um so yeah it's it is a big deal and i'm like so grateful that i've had the opportunity to perform on that stage anytime Minnie, yeah uh, you you're the last part of your statement there begs the question so as a fan of burlesque who are some of your favorite past performers or current performers uh in the art form yeah i love little brooklyn she um She's based in New York. She also, she started before me. She is so phenomenal. She's a genius. She doesn't perform as much as she used to. Um, and, but she also performed in the, a lot of the early days of the burlesque hall of fame stage. But little Brooklyn is, I would say one of my favorite. I just think that she is, like a comedic genius and um if people are interested you could definitely find her on youtube i love her she's she's little brooklyn pop. Cool. little brooklyn yeah yeah she's great i mean there's so many performers but i always kind of default to her because i just think she's just brilliant and just so funny so question is Dita Von Teese, is she considered a part of the community? Is she, uh, is she a polarizing figure in any way? I think for some people, she, I, don't, I don't think she's a part of the community. I think for some people, they look up to her and they admire her and they aspire to be her. And then they try to emulate her, um, which, you know, for me is boring. Um, I mean, Dita <laughs> is gorgeous and she's has well-sponsored costumes and props so she's got that glitz and glam but i don't and that's inspiring 100 percent. but she's more of just kind of like prance 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 pose look beautiful you know and yeah she doesn't dance much that's for sure Yeah, yeah which is fine you don't have to dance actually you know i i certainly with like you know, you know, my body has, you know, my limit with, with, with the, with the autoimmune disease, with the arthritis, like I have certainly scaled back on some of the movements that I do. So I, but I think it Mm depends, it depends on presence and you can do subtle movement. I mean, you can stand on stage and do very subtle movements and be so in like, just people can be enchanted by you. And I hope that that's, you know, what, what I, Mm -hmm. some things, you know, that I would like bring, but Dita, I think, yeah, I don't think she's, she's not like infused in the community, but I think a lot of people really who might be newer to burlesque, 
you know, she's kind of the mainstream. You know, when people think of like burlesque, they would think maybe like, oh, yeah. Vegas Feather fans or oh, Dita Von Tees, um, which is fine and cool, mm-hmm. but there's so much more than um, that. And and that's that that level of production is not really accessible to to the general burlesque performer <laughs> who is doing <laughs> doing who is very DIY with a limited budget. You know, I love that. So, what's next for you? Can you let us know kind of what you're looking forward to over the next, you know, I don't even want to put a limit on it. 50 years. Break it down year by year. Yeah, right. So when you, when, you, <laughs> <laughs> when you say this, what, what do you mean? What is this? Is this just my life in general? Where you've kind of moved away from Minnetonka being your full-time pursuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been for a while. But yeah. you talked about going back to school. Uh, really helping mm-hmm. healing uh, healing folks. Now you're out there with the podcast, which we'll put that in the notes as well, so people can listen to that. And Thank you. Where where do you see that going uh, in terms of uh, your impact on other people? Thank you so much for asking. You know what's so interesting about? Um, okay, so so there's burlesque, and you essentially do a striptease and you perform, and you are scantily clad in front of an audience, and I as I shared, it took me, you know, time to evolve, to get, to feel more comfortable with that. And in starting a podcast, I started the beginning of this year in January, 2021. It's a whole level of being raw and sharing yourself. It's really interesting because I have, it's, it's mainly a solo podcast. So it's me sharing my i do share about burlesque because it's you know a part of my life and just it's integral in my stories but also you know sharing my journey just in terms of you know of of learning to not judge myself or learning to shift my mindset to support you know my health and healing making dietary changes changing my lifestyle from being like a full-time rock and roll you know, nightlife gal, you know, and having that be a part of who I am and my energy, my personality, but then shifting that inward and, and making those changes. So I think for me, like the podcast, it's been this really, um, I'm so grateful for it. Like I love the, it's another, it's a creative project that allows me to express myself in a unique way through my voice versus just being silent on stage in my body it's so interesting and i think and i hope that my energy and my love really comes across in my podcast because i my you know honestly my my goal is for people to feel connected and know that they're not alone and also i really want to help people create self-awareness and and offer and present and recommend ways that they can tap into their own um, ability to heal. So, you know, I, 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 right now I'm kind of just going with the flow with my life to be perfectly honest. Like I'm not, I don't have like a, you know, three or five year plan. I, with, with the podcast, (laughs) you know, with the podcast itself, I, I want to, you know, I would love to like create just a community with that, whatever that looks like, however that, you know, evolves and unfolds, you know, whether it is, I'm not sure what that will look like, but I just, I, I know that I want to continue sharing my love, sharing my energy, 
sharing my experience and my expertise and helping people nav- navigate their their health and um and then right now i i work you know i've done group courses before which i love and i'm sure i'll do in the future but right now i'm just working one on one with clients um i kind of this year decided to focus on that versus the group so it's kind of what's cool about the podcast even though i don't have like direct and you guys have a podcast so you know you don't you don't have that necessarily direct yeah you know human feedback but i but i feel that but i also feel that energy and i know that i'm you know connecting with people i know that and i love that and i and i'm so grateful for that and in 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 um i guess what word am i looking for complementary to that is that doing that deep one-on-one work with people who are ready to take it to the next level with guidance and accountability and um and so that's a beautiful balance for me right now is you know hopefully reaching you know thousands and thousands of people through the podcast and then those who want to connect one-on-one doing that so we shall see what the future holds (laughs) it's exciting you know, I, that, that, that's, you know, you described it. That's what I love about podcasting. And, and I find that it is a wonderful community, a sometimes strange and wonderful little uh, group of podcasters we've become acquainted with and uh, on a variety of subjects. And to me, that's what is the best thing about podcasting is it allows people an opportunity to speak about the things that they're passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for Tim and I, it's, it's meeting artists like yourself. I mean, obviously, you have a passion for nutrition and for wellness and for helping people live healthier lives. And, you know, and I could name five other podcasts that we're friends with who have completely different, uh, but equally interesting passions that they're focused their podcasting on. And it's kind of like a, like, Hey, we're, we're mutually supporting one another um, in, in expressing what we're passionate about. And we can appreciate that. Uh, and in turn, we, we ask that you, uh, Give us a listen and, and consider us as well. It's a, I found it to be great. There's an intimacy to podcasting that um, uh, I never realized, but I, I do know when I was growing up, I had that same feeling with the DJ, right? Mm, you know, here's this DJ yes. broadcasting on the you know radio waves, but I felt like uh, a connection uh, to them, and then that's when I got into college radio, and then Love so it. you know when I when I'm listening to you and your podcast, Minnie. You know, I've got you in my earbuds, and it feels as if you're communicating directly with me. And I don't know of a lot of other mediums that uh, that have that same kind of direct one-on-one connection like podcasting. And so, the fact that you're willing to be raw, right, to 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 be authentic and to to truly put yourself out there, I think you're going to find that community grows pretty quickly around you. And and Greg and I have. And what I think what we found is the more honest we are, the more open we are with who we are, it's like a way to attract people that are that have similar values and similar mm-hmm. totally it is it's a it's a fun art form, and I, I think it's just in the early stages that truly the podcasting and what it can do, not not radio or DJing, mm-hmm. but this this kind of uh, form of communication. So I'm excited for you as you as you just begin. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that, you know, that personal connection that you just mentioned, you know, like, like a listener, that's what I want. I want my listeners to feel that I'm speaking to them directly because I am. And also when I'm on stage, one of my favorite things to do 
as much as there is like an energy and there's people in the audience, my one of my favorite things to do is connect, make eye contact with people. I am obsessed with making <laughs> eye contact with people. Yep. And, and I love the people who hold that eye contact. <laughs> there are some people who are scared and they turn away. And it's like, I don't judge them because sometimes that eye contact, we is powerful and it can be like, woo, you know, but, but it's, but, it, but you're right. It's like that, that direct, it's a different, there's just so many different ways to connect with humans and let's, you know, just bringing it back to like, you know, like what we've talked about, like the human connection, you know, you're at the end of the race and there's people cheering you on and, or whatever. You just, yeah, I think that that is just so I love that. And I'm, I'm super excited and grateful for the opportunity to do it in a different way. Um, so yay. <laughs> awesome. So the name of your podcast is positively anti-inflammatory. Yes. Uh, available on everything, uh, iTunes, everywhere. Apple, Spotify, yeah. all the, yeah. all the great podcasts. Yeah, podcasts. Everywhere. You know, it's so funny. Um, uh it's on it's you know, okay i okay i'm just gonna admit this i i love amazon my mom my mom refuses am my oh. my mom is my mom is mama tonka so <laughs> everyone calls her mama tonka in the burlesque community because people she's been to so many burlesque shows my mom has been to vegas of the burlesque hall of fame so mama tonka refuses amazon she's like she's been anti-amazon for years but I, it's so funny because I got a I got a thing where I'm I'm on I guess Amazon has podcast podcast now and I'm I guess I'm on it and I was gonna post on Facebook like yay I'm on Amazon pot and then I was like oh no maybe I shouldn't because people are anti Amazon and- <laughs> but anyway yeah yeah so, I, I'm I'm pro Amazon that's for I sure. don't know I can't I know sorry sorry those anti Amazon people I I admire you but I love it. I come home sometimes and, and I'll see a shopping cart outside uh, our door. <laughs> my God, yeah. But anyway, yes, I'm on all of the I'm I heart radiators, radio, stitcher, all of the positively anti inflammatory wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs> and uh Minnie, are you taking uh, you mentioned you work uh do individual coaching as well, nutritional coaching. Are you taking new clients? And if so, can they find you through the podcast or is there a way you'd like to tell potential clients that you could find them? Yeah. And on the episode in, um, yes, I am taking only like one or two new clients a month. Um, I work with clients six months at a time and which is just very, very exciting and beautiful because when you think about, you know, when you're trying to make changes and heal, you know, six months is six months is just a drop. But I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's, there's so much, you know, a drop in the bucket, you know, but, um, of, of life, of, of life, of a lifetime of different, you know, you know, habits and mindset that we want to, you know, work, work on. But, um, I found that that time frame is, can get so much healing work done and, and really build a partnership in that, um, just in that relationship that I am cultivating with my clients. So yeah, so I am taking one-on-one clients and in the description, my website's um, on every podcast description, but it's the wellnessheadquarters.com. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's beautiful. Minnie, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I'm very excited to get this out. Oh my God. You are so welcome. (laughs) Oh, thank you. 